to ask uh, Ed to come up. Oh, no, not yet. I'm sorry. I'm going to read briefly uh, part of the passage uh, that Adam will be preaching from this morning on Emmanuel. And in this we see from Old Testament to New Testament, it all points to our Savior, to our God who is with us. I'll be reading Psalm 139 verses 1 through 4 and then verses 7 through 12. O Lord, you have searched me and, oh, sorry, would you stand with me in honor of God's word? And just, just since you're wondering, sometimes we sit, sometimes we stand. It's, it's all an act, act of worship. So at this point, we're going to stand and honor God's word. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me, be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. You may be seated. I'd like to ask Ed to come up to announce our, our candidate, but I would just say this briefly. It has been an honor and pleasure to be briefly with Adam and his wife Deirdre uh, this weekend, and we just humbly say that this, this is a man, Adam, that I would, I would enjoy following a godly man. So, thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, <clears throat> I hope you're doing well. Uh, we're excited. We, as you, Daryl, just mentioned, we have our candidate for senior pastor that's going to preach for us this morning. Uh, before I formally introduce him, though, I just wanted to give you a couple of updates. Uh, he and his wife, at the conclusion of the service, will be in the lobby uh, to meet and greet with you. And also this evening, they will both be attending our dinner and Christmas program, uh, children's program. So that will give you another opportunity to uh, meet with them and have a conversation. Um, two other accounting pieces. Uh, the search team sent out Friday in the mail a comprehensive update letter and information package so that should arrive starting tomorrow in the mail. Uh, that will give you um, uh, a lot of information and answer many of your questions. And as you know, next, sa uh, next fr Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, December the 11th, we will be having our congregational meeting. I did it, guys. Uh, <clears throat> so at that time, the team will be giving you a comprehensive uh, report and full disclosure. So, with that, it is my pleasure to introduce to you Reverend Adam Mumpower. Hey. Hey, we're, we're excited. We're excited to. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it is so good to be here. I just want to say thank you 
to, to all of you as a church family for everything that you have done uh, for me, even since July, since I submitted my uh, a resume to your, your pulpit committee. They've been so kind and, and gracious this weekend. Uh, Deirdre and I have really enjoyed getting to know you and, and speaking with you and hearing from you um, about uh, Church of the Redeemer. And we're just very thankful and grateful uh, to be here today. I'll just tell you a little bit about myself before we get into the sermon. Again, my name is, is Adam Mumpower. I, I grew up in Bristol, Tennessee. And I've shared with some people this week, if you've seen the latest uh, Geico commercial where the little gecko was standing in the middle of the road and he says, this side is Tennessee and, and this side is Virginia, that's my hometown. That's where I grew up. And if you like NASCAR, you definitely know where Bristol is. I live two miles from that track and um, grew up there in a Christian home. My parents taught me the gospel from a very early age, but at the age of six, under the preaching of God's word, the Lord called me to himself, and I trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior at a very early age. And had a great youth pastor in high school who taught me to memorize the Word of God and, and to evangelize and share the gospel. And people would tell me, they'd say, Adam, you need to go into, into ministry. But I knew that was something that was not up to me. I had to have the call of the Lord on my life. And as I went to college, I pursued mathematics. I majored in, in mathematics and minored in uh, physics and education. So I've learned that's something Howard and I have in common is, is, is the physics. And, but it, it was during college that I was challenged with Reformed theology. And the more I studied scripture, the more Reformed I became. And I met Deirdre as, as a junior, and it was perfect timing. You just see how the Lord brought us together at the perfect time. Deirdre is from North Charlotte. Uh, her father is Steve Stout. Maybe you've heard of Prosperity uh, Presbyterian Church. It's a PCA church. He was the pastor there uh, for, for 26 years, and he's now at Shearer PCA in Mooresville. But we met in college and, and fell in love, and um, the Lord was still doing a work on my heart and called me into ministry. And after looking at the gifts and talents that God has given me, looking at the passion that he had given me for his word and for others, I believe he was directing me into ministry. And I moved to Charlotte, attended Reform Seminary for a year. Deirdre and I got married after that, and I started working uh, for a year at uh, Southlake Christian Academy up in Huntersville. And I came uh, back into uh, seminary after one year, and uh, the Lord allowed me to start on staff at the church up at South Lake and then called me full-time as an associate pastor in 2004. So I've been able to be in ministry in one way or another since 1999 and full-time since 2004. And over those years, the Lord has just given me um, a lot of ex experience. I've seen the, the church through some of the best of its times, and I've seen it through some very difficult times. But over those years, I know God has, has used that to, to form me and shape me as a minister. And I want you to know that Deirdre and I have been praying for you uh, even before we've met you. And we've been praying for the, the Lord to, to put us in a place where we can serve him with all the gifts and the talents that we have. And we're grateful for this opportunity. We, we really are. We're thankful for it. Um, the Lord has given us three children. Uh, Brock is 11, and he loves basketball and sports. Uh, Macy is, is nine, and she's just a sweet girl who just loves to be a friend to all people. And uh, the main guy, Jack. Jack is blonde hair, blue-eyed, and he wants to be a dinosaur or a Power Ranger when he grows up. So if you get a chance to meet Jack, um, he, he loves Power Rangers. But we're thankful to be here. And uh, 
As uh, Brother Darrell said after the service, Deirdre and I will be in the lobby. I'd love to shake every one of your hands and just greet you in the name of the Lord uh, this morning. But let's now turn our hearts and our minds towards the preaching of God's Word. I'm thankful for Darrell uh, for reading the text out of Psalm 139. I do want you to hold that place in your Bible, Psalm 139. But we want to read two other texts right now. The first one is Exodus chapter 40. Verses 34 through 38. And the other one is the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and verse 14. But we'll start this morning with Exodus, chapter 40, the end of that chapter, looking at verses. 34 through 38. Hear now the written word of the living God. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up, From over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. I know the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 and verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Pray with me, please. Our God and Heavenly Father, we come to you the only way we can, and that is through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And God, we come to you giving thanks and praise for who you are and all that you have done. And God, as we now turn our attention towards the preaching of your word, God, I ask that you fill me with your spirit that I might preach in a manner that is pleasing in your sight. For all of us here today, Father, remove every distraction from this place, whether it's mental or physical or emotional or spiritual. And in fact, Lord, we cast all of our cares upon you, knowing that you care for us. And we ask, Lord, that you open our hearts and our minds that we might receive your word. Lord Jesus, you said, he who has ears, let him hear. Let us indeed be hearers, yet, as James says, also doers of your word. As Christians, may we worship you through the preaching of your word. And if there's anyone here today who has never trusted Christ for salvation, O Holy Spirit of God, would today you choose to bring that one savingly to yourself so that they can come and know Jesus as their Savior. Father, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. What shall we name the baby? That was a question that Deirdre and I asked about 12 years ago. You see, about this time of year, back in 2004, we found out that we were going to have our, our first child. And, you know, after that initial shock and awe of realizing you're going to have a baby, one of the first questions that came to the top of our list was, what shall we name the baby? And that's when Deirdre went into action. She went all to all the local bookstores and she began to buy books, thick books on baby names, several different versions of the same thing. She would get online and she would look at old names, new names, traditional names, family names. She wanted to find a name for her baby. Have, have any of y'all ever done this? Maybe one or two? Well, it was about that time that I kind of joined in with her. I wanted to get involved and help choose the baby's name. So we began to talk and discuss names. We began to debate names. In fact, we even got our friends involved, and some of our friends got involved whether we wanted them to or not. But we had to answer that question, what will we name the baby? And it took almost eight months to decide what the first name of our son would be. And as I mentioned a moment ago, his name ended up being Brock. And we're very thankful for Brock. Well, beloved, when we read the Christmas story in the Bible, and we look at this question, what shall we name the baby? We realize it's a question that Mary and Joseph, they never had to ask that question, did they? Have you ever thought about that? They never had to ask that question. And the reason is because Jesus' father had already decided on a name for his son. We've heard a lot of the scripture read this morning. We remember in Matthew 1, the angel told, told Joseph the child's given name when he said, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. In Luke 1, the angel told Mary he will be called the Son of the Most High. Our brother Teve and his family read just a moment ago from Isaiah 9, which taught us that he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We all know the familiar story from Luke chapter 2, for the angels told the shepherds, For unto you was born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And as Daryl read moments ago from Matthew, the angel said, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And it's this last name, the name Emmanuel, that I want to focus on with you today. And I want to focus on this name by looking at three different genres of Scripture. Today we have already heard from three parts of the Bible. We've heard from the Psalms, the Law of Moses, and the Gospels. So if you would join me as we look at each genre of Scripture one more time to see how the Bible teaches us that Jesus indeed is God with us. He is Emmanuel. So if you would, open your Bibles to Psalm 139. Let's review some of the verses our brother Daryl read just a moment ago. How do we see Emmanuel in Psalm 139. I want to read verses 7 through 12 one more time. David asks this question Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? 
If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. Share with you a story. About eight years ago, 2008, uh, we moved into the house that we're currently living in now. And my oldest son, Brock, at the time was two and a half, almost three years old. And the house was new to all of us at the time, I remember. And it was getting a little bit late at night. And I looked at Brock and I said, hey, buddy, it's getting late. Go on upstairs and, and get ready for bed. So I watched Brock walk up the steps. And he stopped about halfway up. And he looked me right in the eye. And he said, Daddy, I'm scared. Will you come with me? Well, my heart kind of went out to the little guy right there. I said, sure, buddy, I'll, I'll, I'll come upstairs with you. So I went upstairs with him and helped him get ready for bed, and, and I put him down for bed. You know, maybe you have a story like that uh, from your family. But I think we can all see that Brock didn't want to be alone, did he? And he was a lot more secure when he knew that his father was with him. It's a very simple story, beloved, but I think it's the story that is kind of the background of this text. It's something that David wants us to know about our Heavenly Father, the Lord our God. And David starts out talking about this type of thing, about our Father being with us in verse 7. And here's how he does it. Look with me. Verse 7, he starts asking questions. David says, Lord, where can I go? Where can I flee, God, to be outside of your presence? And to answer that question, he uses the geography of Israel. He starts pointing four different directions. Look at it with me. Verse 8, he points up. He says, God, if I ascend, if I go up to the heavens, what's the answer? You are there. He points down, verse uh, eight, verse 8, the second part, he says, If I make my bed in Sheol or the grave, what's the answer? You are there, he says about God. Then he starts pointing to the east and the west. Look at verse 9. He says, God, if I take the wings of the morning, the morning is where the sun rises. It's east. It's dawn. If he says, if I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, the Mediterranean Sea, if you're standing in Israel, the Mediterranean Sea is where? It's to the west. What's the answer? He says, God, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. David is saying this to the Lord. God, it doesn't matter. I can go up, I can go down. I can go east, I can go west, and not only do I know that you're with me, but you're actually leading me. You're holding me. That's the presence of our God with His people. And then David, he moves further. He moves to something that you and I have to use every day, light and darkness. Look at verse 11. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. Tell you another story. In 1999, 
When I moved to Charlotte, uh, my first work in a church was at Back Creek PCA. Has anyone been out to Mount Ola, Rowan County? There's actually two Back Creeks. There's one in Charlotte, Back Creek ARP. It's not that one. This is Back Creek PCA in Rowan County out, out in, um, in Mount Ola. It was my first uh, youth job out there in 1999. And I'll, just let me tell you a little bit about that church. It's a country church. There's a lot of farmland around that church. In fact, right behind the farm is a, is a, or excuse me, right behind the church is a llama farm. And then right beside the church is a miniature horse farm. And then you kind of look everywhere else and it's, it's farmland. The roads are kind of wide open. There's, there's not much there. Well, again, it was about December, about this time of year in 1999. We, we did a youth event. Can't remember the event, but we did a youth event one evening. And I brought the youth back to the church. And after all the parents came and, and picked up all the teenagers, uh, they went on home. I decided I'm going to go park the church van in the garage. It was kind of behind, you know, back in the back part of the uh, church, in the backyard of the church. So I pull in the garage and uh, park the van and uh, make, lock the doors of the van. And I'm kind of getting ready to leave the garage and go to my car. I'm the only person there at the time. So I lock the door, I turn the lights out, and I go and pull the door shut. And I turn around to walk to my car. And I was in complete darkness. I remember I put my hand up in front of my face. I couldn't even see the outline of my hand. There was no cars passing by. There were no stars out that night. It was completely dark. And what happened in my heart, I got a little bit scared. And you know what I thought? I thought those llamas are coming after me right now. <laughs> I'm getting ready to get attacked by a miniature horse right now. I did. I thought that. And I felt alone. I felt maybe you've had an experience like that because what does light and darkness do to us? It limits us, right? It limits you and me. We can't see. We're disoriented. We don't know where we are and we can feel alone. Maybe David had something like that in his mind when he wrote a text like this because when he talks about God, he says that God is not like us in that respect. While we're limited by light and darkness, here's what he says about God. Verse 12, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. Beloved, David wants us to know it doesn't matter if we turn all the lights off. God is with us. We can go up, we can go down. We can go east, we can go west. We can turn off all those lights. And God says to us, I am with you. And not only am I with you, but I'm leading you. I'm guiding you. Now I have a question for you. Why would David write like this? It's because he wants us to know God's name. And his name is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Secondly this morning, let's look at that passage in Exodus. We read from Exodus 40. I'm not going to reread that passage. But it talked about the tabernacle, didn't it? Remember the tabernacle, that, that tent that people would put up and down? I talked to Cheryl this morning as the folks were setting up this morning. She goes, this feels like the tabernacle. We put it up and tear it down all the time, every week. <laughs> you remember the tabernacle? 
Well, here's a little background on that. The children of Israel, they were in Egypt. And God called them out of Egypt. They crossed the, the Red Sea and they looked back as God crashed the waves of the Red Sea down on those Egyptians. And God won the victory for them that day. And then they began to live in the wilderness. And when they lived in the wilderness, the Israelites, they were all living in tents. So God comes to Moses and he says this, I want a tent. I see you're living in tents. God says, I too want a tent. But God said to Moses, the structure of my tent has to be perfect because I'm perfect. And my tent has to be in the middle of the camp. There's 12 tribes, so God says, put three of those tribes to the north, three to the east, three to the south, and three to the west, and put my tent right in the middle because I want to be right in the middle of your life, says the Lord. And in God's tent, he said he wanted some very specific rooms. He said, Moses, you have to design a room called the holy place. And then next to that room, I want you to put up a big curtain because on the other side of that curtain, there's another room. It's called the most holy place. And in that room, I want you to put the Ark of the Covenant, which holds the law of God. And every year, once a year, I want the high priest, who was Aaron at the time. I want Aaron to come behind that curtain, only Aaron, once a year. And he's not to come without something in his hands. He's to bring the blood of an innocent substitute. And he's to sprinkle it on the top of that ark, which is called the mercy seat. And when he sprinkles the blood on that ark, God says, I will actually manifest my presence above the ark, between the cherubim. And that day, I will even let Aaron know that I am dwelling with him. You fast forward to Exodus 40, the text we read just a moment ago. Exodus teaches us in Exodus 4 that, that now Moses says God actually comes down in a glory cloud and he hovers above that tabernacle. Moses said that from time to time God will actually literally fill the tabernacle with his presence. And when that happens, Moses, you can't even go in. During the day, God says, the cloud would cover the tabernacle. During the evening, fire would be in that cloud. Can you imagine being one of those Israelites? Whether you lived in the north, the east, the south, or the west. Let's say you lived in the east. You're one of those Israelites, and you look to the middle of your camp. What do you see? You see God coming down. You see God manifesting His presence in this glory cloud. And God is testifying to you. He is showing you what? He is showing you, I am with you. I am with you. You know, the Lord our God could have chosen so many ways to manifest His presence to those people, couldn't He? But he chose to do it in a tent. A tent. You see, everybody in that camp had a tent, right? So God says to them, I want a tent. And in that tent, I will manifest my presence. Beloved, you know what this teaches us? 
it teaches us that God meets us right where we are. Did anyone ever listen to Squire Parsons, old gospel singer? This is a long time ago. But he once had a song that said, When I could not come to where God was, He came to me. And I think that's the message of the tabernacle, that you, you look out and you see the presence of God coming down and dwelling with His people. But I have a question for you. Why would God do something like this? It's because He wants all of us to know His name. His name is Emmanuel. And He is God with us. One last passage, the Gospel of John. Turn with me if you would. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. The Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that has been made. In verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This passage, this introduction of John, it tells us so much about who Jesus is. We could spend such a long time on this passage. I'm not, (laughs) but we could. I just want to tell you a few things that this passage points out to us about the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, as you notice, it teaches us that Jesus is from the beginning. There's another book of the Bible that opens the exact same way, isn't it? In the beginning. We know it's the book of of Genesis. Moses wrote Genesis. And when we read Genesis 1-1, we read, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So when Moses writes Genesis, he takes us back to that time where God spoke creation into existence. But I'll make the argument that when John says in the beginning, he actually takes you back further than the Moses does. You ever thought about that? Moses talks to us about creation, but John talks to us, yes, about creation in verse 3, but he talks to us about who God is before God created. The very heart of who God is. He says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and and the Word was God. That before God even created, there was this beautiful Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons of the Trinity. Three persons, yet one God, even before creation. And the next thing he says is he calls Jesus God. He says the Word was God. I want you to see that phrase because nothing higher can be said about the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot find a clear statement in all of Scripture about the divinity of Jesus. It's not something about the Father that Christ has. It's everything about His Father that Christ has. He is fully and completely God. And verse 3 says that He created all things. I don't know about you, but sometimes in my mind when I read Genesis chapter 1 and 2, I only think about God the Father. This is only God the Father who's creating. But John corrects that. He said, actually, think about God the Son. Think about it as Jesus who's actually the one who's creating all things. And then verse 14, 
you see the transition in the passage. John, he said he's from the beginning. He's God. He's created. But look at verse 14. He says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Beloved, it's right here that you find the Christmas story. It's right here that the second person of the Trinity, yes, even Jesus Christ, becomes a man without ceasing to be God. Yes, the God who is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable, He decided to step out of glory, and He decided to to come down all the way to where we are. He humiliated Himself. He was condescended. And He came to suffer and to take on our flesh and our blood to get right down on our level. And this text says that He made His dwelling with us. Let's look at that phrase. You know, a few moments ago we looked at Exodus. And we said that God God could have revealed Himself in any way He wanted to to those Israelites, couldn't He? But He chose to do it how? In a tent. He chose to do it in a tent because everybody else had a tent. And he decided to meet them right where they are. Now, in the New Testament, when Jesus comes, he looks out at all of us and he says, everyone has flesh and blood. I too will have flesh and blood. I will come all the way down to where they are. And I will manifest my presence in a physical body. There's a phrase here It says that he dwelt with us. There's something going on actually in the Greek here that you don't see in English. The verb for that right there is tabernacled. It's the word tabernacled turned into a verb. That Jesus tabernacled among us. He pitched his tent among us. And just like that Israelite who was in the east who looked over and saw the presence of God coming down and God pitching His tent with them. John looks at Jesus Christ and says, God is pitching His tent with me. God is dwelling with me. Right there is Emmanuel. And he goes on to say that we beheld His glory. Just like the Israelite who would see the glory cloud coming over the tabernacle, John was with Jesus on that Mount of Transfiguration where the Son of God was glorified. And John says, I have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth. Jesus is God with us. And everything that that tabernacle signified, every foreshadowing of that tabernacle is now fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I have a question for you. Why would John write this way? Because he wants you to know God's name. And his name is Emmanuel. He is God with us. But old church, we know that Christ's work, his life work, 
it far exceeds Jesus just being with us. We know that He is Emmanuel and He's with us. But the Scriptures teach us that He's so much more than that, that He is our representative. He's our substitute. He's our sacrifice. A moment ago, we spoke about the tabernacle and how once a year, every year, Aaron would go behind the curtain, right? Into the Holy of Holies. And he would bring the blood of an innocent substitute to sprinkle out on that mercy seat. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place, what happened to it? It was ripped in two from top to bottom. Because the Lamb of God had spilled out His blood, not once a year, every year, but once for all, as Hebrews says, because Christ obtained eternal redemption. As Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrated His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ, He died for us, and He guaranteed eternal redemption. And after this, we know Jesus ascended into heaven but He wasn't going to leave us alone, was He? He is a God who is with us. He sent His Holy Spirit to us to call us to salvation, to live in our hearts through faith. As 1 Corinthians says, that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, that now we receive Jesus Christ. And God says what to us? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Beloved, why would the Bible write like this? God wants you to know His name. His name is Emmanuel. And He's an, a God that not only is with you, but a God who will save you from your sins. As we close this morning, I'll tell you that a sermon like this will probably do one of two things to you. I realize that. If you're a Christian here today, if you have trusted the Lord Jesus by grace through faith, if you're following hard after Christ, a sermon like this will do nothing but comfort you. Because now you know, no matter where you go, up or down, east or west, if you turn all the lights off, God is with you. And God has gone to such great lengths to show you His presence. For Old Testament Israel, He pitched His tent, didn't He, with Israel. And in Jesus Christ, who had flesh and who had blood, God says, I am dwelling with you. And not only that, but I'm going to the cross and I'm dying for you. That you can have life in my name. And when I go to be with my Father, I'm sending my Holy Spirit to be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. It's a comforting message, isn't it? But if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ for salvation... I think a message like this will probably just scare you to death. Because now you realize that there is a God who knows everything about you. He's been with you every moment of your life. You cannot escape His presence. He is a good God, a sovereign God, yet He is a just God. And that one day you'll have to stand before Him and give an account. And if you find yourself lost and without hope in that condition, Scripture has wonderful news for you. Because this is the message for you. That God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish 
but have eternal life. See what Christ has done for you on the cross. Today would be the day of salvation. If you've never trusted Christ, turn to the Lord. Repent of your sin. Invite Jesus into your heart and your life because you know that not only the fact that He is with you, but you can now have the promise that you'll be with Him forever by His grace. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we see to what great lengths to which you've loved us. Lord, when we found ourselves to be sinful in your sight, you did not owe us anything. We did not deserve anything. But you said in your word, I'm going to choose to love these people so much that I'm going to come all the way down to where they are. I'm going to wrap myself in their humanity. And I'm going to be their Savior, their Redeemer, and their Lord. And I'm going to dwell with them and give them the promise that I will never leave them or forsake them. What a comfort, what a blessing this is as a Christian to have that gospel truth in our lives. And Father, this Christmas season, maybe if there's one here who's never trusted Jesus for salvation, they've never fully known what you've done for them, Lord, take this word and implant it in their hearts and their minds. Holy Spirit, draw that one savingly to yourself that they can have salvation by grace through faith. Thank you for your great love for us. And we'll continue to give you praise this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand as we conclude by worshiping together.